0: Today, we are very lucky to share an interview with Pan Shalav, who is a world-renowned bandura player from the Ukrainian diaspora. Victor, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Stuck in the house for the past six months.
0: Uh, Yeah, the joys of Corona.
1: Well, yeah, that's basically the lockdown. There's nowhere to go anyway. Everything else is (laughs) closed.
0: Yeah. So you're a world famous Bandurist, and um, but your life, like your biography, is quite interesting. And like as I was reading through it, um, like growing up in 1960s, 70s Australia. What made you want to learn how to play the bandura instead of like a more like popular instrument, like the guitar or like oh. violin even?
1: Oh, basically, um, my, my grandfather and father in Vienna, they wound up being in a, in a, in a camp with the bandura capella from Kyiv. And that left a big, big impression on them. So my dad wanted to always make a bandura and was always interested in, in, uh, in the banduras. And, uh. What happened was um, there was a gentleman who played the Bandura in Sydney uh, who had studied in, in Kharkiv and he wound up getting married to uh, a, uh, a, an adopted daughter, my grandfather had adopted. And so he became part of the family. But initially uh, what happened was in 1968, somebody came out from Ukraine and they brought with them a Bandura and uh, my grandfather paid for it. My dad bought it, and it was on the wall uh, in, in the new house that we built. And, uh, and around 1970, after a, a piano lesson I had at, at Marika Namuren's place out at Canley Vale, uh, I got to meet up with uh, Petro Deryazhny, and I, they started up a, a young, a youth bandura group. And I became interested and I joined up and I had my first lessons from Petro Deryazhnyi. And there was a a, a youth bandura group which I became a member of. And Petro Deryazhnyi was a very, very, um, how would you say it, uh, inspiring, inspiring. young person who played the bandura, who not only played the Ukrainian music, but played a whole bunch of English folk songs on, on, on the bandura, and he played it really well and he had a beautiful tenor voice. So uh, we all in, were inspired by him and, and initially started playing from him. After that, uh, what ha- things happened in the, in the Ukrainian community and I continued taking lessons from Mr. Barzul who was like, like an uncle uh, to me. And, and and Mr. Barzul had learned from Hnat Hotkevich. Uh, Hotkevich was probably the best Bandura player who started the whole movement off at the turn of the century and not only did he had he studied from him but he but uh, was arrested in 1938 and was executed and uh, his wife gave to to bajel a whole bunch of these manuscripts uh, with uh, special uh, stamps from the censor and stuff like that allowing the pieces to be performed and stuff like that and uh, these were very inspiring and i, I learned to, to 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 play this particular style uh kharkiv style on the bandura uh which in fact had been lost in ukraine nobody had played or had begun had, had played it anymore and in, in the united states although they had instruments they didn't have anybody really playing that style anymore and so i became very very um how would you say uh, a fanatic started collecting <laughs> information everywhere I could? Wr- wrote to the Mitchell Library, got books out. Traced this. Uh, out, wrote to Ukraine to get books. Wrote to America to get books. Wrote to Canada to get books uh, from the Edmonton Bookstore, and so I started compiling more and more. And, and obviously there were things which weren't explained, which I had to learn. So I started writing letters to people to get more information on on how to play the instrument and and the techniques required. In 74, I got a bandura from England. Um, I uh, was noticing that the Americans were getting lots of banduras. So I wrote to New York to find out how we get the banduras. They said, write to Pittsburgh, Wrote to Pittsburgh. The guy in Pittsburgh said, contact Aeroflot. Aeroflot doesn't, doesn't fly to Australia. I wrote to the Soviet embassy. They said write the Rasna export. I wrote the Rasna export. They said they said write to Vneshposludtor. I wrote to them. They said no banduras. And three months later, they said sure, sure, we can get you some banduras. And I I uh, ordered a shipment of ten banduras, fifty bucks each, which which, wow. uh, which included air freight to Sydney. Oh, air
0: I'm freight prices for that today.
1: <laughs> in the in the process of ordering the banduras directly from Ukraine. At that particular time, I discovered that they were making concert bundles with a mechanism for rechanging the, the 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 tuning, and I wrote them and asked them if they'd let me have one of those. And they said 150 bucks. That's it. So I paid 150 US. Lots of difficulties doing business with the with, with with the Soviet Union, because from Australia, the Soviets would would would, would quote you prices in US dollars. But in Australia, you couldn't send U.S. dollars to the Soviet Union. You could only send pounds sterling. So I converted the the, the amount into pounds sterling, sent it via London, and and lost about a third of the money in the process of, of of sending it that way. But ultimately, I wound up getting the banduras, and they got a bandura with mechanism, and this was interesting because now I could play in all different keys was the banduras made in Australia had only like the white keys, didn't have any black keys. The bandura, which I had from 1960, I had the black keys, but you only play basically in one or two keys. You had all the sharps and flats, but you couldn't play in the different keys. The mechanism bandura allowed you to play in different keys. I started importing banduras. I think I imported 80, uh, 80 at one time. And so I was able to get banduras from, from Melbourne, for Adelaide, for Canberra. If anybody was interested in Bandura, we got a 30 or 40 in Sydney. I uh, got mechanism Banduras. Um, I continued becoming really, really kind of like uh, uh, into playing the Bandura, playing in different keys. Organized various groups. We had a group called Voyager in high school, uh, clarinet and trumpet. Uh, the guy who played clarinet was the Later on became the, uh, the deputy of the Liberal Party in, 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 in for the New South Wales. He used to ru- have the program on, on, on 2GB on the Sundown Rundown. Name was Stephen O'Dowdies. Uh, you may have heard of him and, 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 uh, he runs a band right now, which was, which is the Golden Kangaroos. So I was performing for, for just everywhere all over the place in Sydney in all the folk clubs and for various concerts and stuff like that. And uh, and by the very fact that I was just a fanatic I just continued practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and stumbling my way into developing a technique which was um there's nobody to show me how not to play.
0: Yeah, and that brings us to our next question. You played the Bandura for your year twelve HSC musical exam. How did your school yeah. react when you brought this, you know, strange instrument to the school and said, "This is what I want to sit my exam on"?
1: Well, uh, it's just a situation that uh, I, I brought the instrument all the time. I was doing a whole bunch of productions at school, um, basically playing with various ensembles with clarinet. As, as, as I said, the Stephen O'Doherty was in my music class. Another guy called David Trudinick was there. Richard Kerr now in London, uh, plays oboe in one of the orchestras in, in, in London. And uh, basically, it went in that particular direction to, to, to do the HSC. HSC had to do a, a, a practical component, and the practical component I did on the bandura. I had three pieces which I had to play. I played a Beethoven piece, a, a bandura piece, and uh, a piece for bandura and piano accompaniment. Marika more and the company to that. that was 24 pages long, huge whopping great big piece, right? But, but then, you know, like when you're young, you, 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 you try and you, you, you do the best that you can. So you, you, you take on a piece which is really very, very difficult and, and uh, uh, do the best that you can. And it, it was a very nice music class. We learned a lot. The uh, teachers, there, uh, the main teacher at that time was Patricia Morton, who later on became the, the principal of the conservatory h- high school. Uh, we had um, Marie Ryan, who was a, a singer, used to sing with the city symphony, symphony orchestra and stuff like that. So uh, lots of musical opportunities, a, a very, very, uh, a lot of competition amongst the students who could play what they can play and, and what they can memorize and things like that. So it was a very, very healthy attitude, healthy environment. And it was also a very interesting time because they brought in multiculturalism so that uh, uh, all this ethnic music suddenly became very uh, popular. So, and and, and add add to that, there's 40 or 50 folk folk clubs around Sydney. So I was performing in in places from everywhere, from Art and Penrith, And then they have the the various folk festivals in the summer. And I was being invited out for that and performing at the Opera House and things like that. Um, Lots of opportunities, not just in the Ukrainian community, but a lot in the
0: non-Ukrainian community. So reading your uh, biography, it said that you had studied in Ukraine during 1979. How was that experience? Was that different to studying in Australia and did you learn quite a lot?
1: Well, it, it's uh, yeah, I learned a lot. Before I went to Ukraine, I I got a government grant from the Australia Arts Council and the uh, Premier's Department, and I went to North America and studied at, in Detroit with the Capella Banduristiu. and then uh, and in in North America I spent a lot of time with all the prominent bandura players. So I went around everybody's house, knocking on them, sleeping on their on their sofas. And photocopying everything I could get, and uh, I got a lot of massive amount of information there. Whilst in Winnipeg, uh, the the uh, Ukrainian uh, Oseredok, uh, the cultural organization there, was organizing an exhibit of paintings by Taras Shevchenko from Ukraine at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, and I flew. I flew in to do a recital at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. And after the recital, uh, at Walter Klimke's place, which is, he was the, his, his son was the head of the CBC radio, but he was uh, the, the, uh, the conductor of the Korshitz choir, uh, had, had me over at his house, and the Soviet, Soviet consul was there, a guy called Skofenko. And Skofenko asked me, is it true that the Australian government gave you a, a, a grant to study Bandura in North America? I said, yes, I had applied and they gave me the money to to, to come out here and study. He says, why didn't you go to Ukraine? And I said, well, you know, I've written letters nobody writes back. You know, it's hard to get any contacts with people in in, in, in Ukraine. He says, would you like to go to Ukraine to study? I said, sure, certainly. So, you know, I came back to Australia after doing a year of engineering at Sydney University and changed over to music. And uh, a few months later, I got a, a letter uh, inviting me to to come to, to Ukraine to study at the conservatory. Initially, I was scared. Talked to people in Sydney. Everybody said, "Don't go, go! Don't go! Communist country," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> and and I I sent back a telegram saying, "Sorry, I'm not going." And the day after I sent the telegram, the Soviet consul from from Sydney rang up and says, are you going or not going? And, I, and, and he, he said, come in for a cup of coffee. He came in for a cup of coffee, and his name was Abramenko. He was Ukrainian background, but he was born in, uh, in Vladivostok. He spoke Ukrainian, right? right. And he said, basically, if, if Alliance Francais or the Goethe Society had given you the scholarship, would you go? He said, yeah, yeah, you'd go. If you don't like it, you can come back on the next plane. So I got a, I got a a chance to go to Kiev and study in Kiev and, and uh, hopped on the plane in August. I was able to get time off from Sydney University, and uh, hopped on the plane, got, got to Kiev, and uh, had the most amazing experiences. You know, and once again, they didn't expect. Uh, they, first of all, they didn't expect me in Kiev, and I got off the plane in Kiev, and they were expecting me in Moscow. And so you 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 get on a uh, you you change your money exchange your money get in a, a cab nobody's come to collect you go to the organization that, that that's supposed to be sponsoring you it's six o'clock everybody's gone home nobody's there they finally get somebody <laughs> somebody takes you to the to the uh, dormitory where where you're supposed to live uh, it's now eleven o'clock uh, the the commandant of the dormitory says I haven't got an order to to to, to allow him in. Right, because expecting oh, next day, right. Yeah, suddenly, suddenly they, they they give me a room, but there's no, there's no, there's no nothing for the bed. That there's no bed with clothes. It's now one o'clock <laughs> in the morning, right? Uh, so, okay, it's one o'clock in the morning, finally I, I get some sleep. Wake up in the morning, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in two days, right? yeah And there's no McDonald's anywhere, right? So, so you finally <laughs> find a place, you know. Uh, and 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 they they, they had these 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 was it's called you walk in there and 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 on fridays it's fish day right Everything stinks of fish and the <laughs> borscht is cold and and, and, the, and and the and the and the uh cheese which they the cottage cheese they have is all is all is all warm and uh so i finally got some food started get, eating the, the food that they had and walking around and getting things and it was a different society 1979 right um 1979 so it was a soviet country um everything's cheap but you can't buy anything there's nothing to sell except for books books so i started you know, getting books got si- signed into the conservatory they expected a leica like player but but i wound up being a bandura player who could speak ukrainian <laughs> and even though in, in Australia they they, they t- tell you you know, be quiet, or cold, hold your, your tongue between your, t- your 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 teeth and stuff like that, they, they pretty soon they they figured out who I was, right? You know they ask you questions like, who's the most important uh, Cossack hateman? And I answer back, Ivan Mazeppa?" Instead of what <laughs> they expect, Władysław Lenski. So why is he so? F- because of the, one of the his particular relations with the russians was not too cool so they, they pretty soon i kind of like cracked on the on the me i was followed everywhere left right and center you know um <laughs> but i i just kept to bandura bandura stuff i just kept to bandura stuff going to bandura concerts um meeting up with bandura players collecting as much music as i could um sending it back by mail um going to concerts later on i I also signed up to the university and was attending university classes with the the, uh in the evenings so i met up with uh, one of the old traditional bandura players who had learned from the kobzars at the beginning of the the century he'd come out to a folklore lesson at the university so i walked him back and i started i wanted to record all his music uh because it was authentic type type it wasn't the, the 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 stuff that they taught at the conservatory so i recorded that then i had an instrument copied and made made for me and then i i started learning from him so i learned all the traditional type stuff and learned all the conservatory type stuff uh at that time it was really interesting um i got uh i got arrested on the third day and, and basically, you don't know the rules in, in, in a society like that. First time I was arrested for not crossing the road the correct way. And basically, they, they dug, dug these underground tunnels to get across this really wide road, new circus is in Kiev. And I didn't know that, so I crossed ab- above the road. Which is where all the traffic is major traffic it wasn't many cars in those days i just walked jay walked across so the pressure <laughs> man stopped me uh, and and i'm telling him i'm from australia I, my passport and he handed in for registration, and he looks at me and says, he says this is bullshit you're, you're, you're a russian face i had to be bailed out of that um, i was bailed out because i didn't know the rules Lots of interesting stuff uh, on, on that trip as well, and coming back, and I came back to continue study. And then I worked it out, But at that time my dad got, got cancer. I worked it out that I could attend Sydney University from from March through, through to, to, to uh, end of October, and then in October fly off to Kiev, right? Uh, fly, and study there, at, at there during the, the summertime. I just do my exams that way. So I do all my theoretical musical things in Sydney University and do my, my practical stuff at, at, in Kiev. And during the year, I'd go down to Chinatown after university and play. And I'd be getting <laughs> 90 bucks an hour from sitting down at, on, on a bench in, in Chinatown selling my records and, and, and stuff. Uh, I, I got enough money to buy a house in Newtown uh after about a um, year <laughs> right? so so uh and i uh, had money for the airfare to fly to to to, to uh to ukraine uh you
0: mentioned earlier, was uh, pan, there are different yeah. types of bandura so you mentioned like the kharkiv bandura and like how it no longer like by the time you like started to play it no one else really knew how to play it like are there any other types of bandura because i just know the traditional well, <laughs> one that you always see in the museum
1: well, it, it's it's when you get really involved in it, there's a lot of lot of really interesting stuff. Um, at the in 1902, at the 12th archaeological conference, which was held in Kharkiv, they thought uh, that the last bandura player had died, and so they had a conference about it. And and Anatol which was able to find uh, six or oh, half dozen of these blind men who, who still played it, and he organized an ethnographic concert to play on these instruments and the particular kobza repertoire and uh, from then on you know you, uh, you have political waves where things were allowed and things weren't allowed and things were allowed and things weren't allowed and the bandura became very popular in in ukraine and then there was periods when they when they came down on the bandura players and shot a lot and, and arrested a lot and then you had a situation where some of the bandura players left the country during World War II. So you have um, the modern styles, which are developed post-World War II, where they looked at the fingers and the angles of the fingers and what's the most efficient way of playing. Then you had the various ways of playing in the 30s and the traditional ways of playing. And I've, I've learned them all. But when I initially came in and started playing on the modern bandura, it's a modern bandura, that's a modern bandura. That's not traditional music so i went on the, on that search for what the tradition was and what the traditional repertoire was and what the traditional way of playing was so i became a specialist with regards to that and my phd was on on the Bandura tradition of, of Khotkevich the tradition which which transformed it to the kharkiv style of playing and basically they, they shot most of the people that played the Kharkiv style, and, and then he survived it survived so itself basically in Australia, in the uh, hands of uh, Rogory Bazul and Petro So uh, right now we're trying to revive it in Ukraine. But basically, if it wasn't for Deryazny and Bazul, uh, it, it wouldn't have revived. So with, with the Kharkiv style, with the with the modern style that they play basically the left hand plays in the basses, and the right hand plays on the on the treble strings uh, in order to make your uh, allow you to play in different keys is a, a mechanism in the upper shim stock this mechanism doesn't allow you to play with the left hand over those particular strings the kharki style allows you to use both hands over the whole range of the instrument and the mechanism is near the bridge the traditional style once again both hands but there's no mechanism. There's only about twenty one
0: strings. Uh Pan how did you feel when you were awarded the title of artest Artestukriana, otherwise known as the Honored Artist of Ukraine? That
1: yeah, was interesting. Um mainly my, my name was put forward. Um but what happened was they invited me to do a, do a concert and they did a concert uh in Kiev at the opera at the opera theater. And they invited me for this particular concert and once again, you have Ukrainian patriots everywhere, right? And you have a lot of Ukrainian patriots who do things in a, in a quiet manner, and and have to have to battle with with various various people. They anyway, so, so. They organized the concert, and the name of the concert was "Kordoni nasha Pisnya. our borders are our song, right? And on the poster they had all these all the the uh, uh herbe we we we, uh the plaques for all the areas of ukraine outside of ukraine in poland in slovakia in romania cuban etc etc so uh what happened was the concert was almost cancelled uh the posters all ripped down because of the fact that there some people said a a, a diplomatic incident because we we're, we're demanding our territories back etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. and uh uh there's a lot of lot of weird stuff happening but basically they, they they had the concert performed at the end of the concert as a surprise to me they all gave me the the medal for the um since then i've gotten half a dozen more kind of things like uh uh Order of Merit, third class, and, and, and other things like that. And they put me up for other, other, other awards. Um, uh, and, and, uh, it, it's, it's nice. It doesn't pay the bills. It's nice <laughs> to have it. It's nice to have to, to, to be recognized for, for just the consistent amount of work which I did. The stuff which I did was basically, you know, it's the first record of Bandura music instrumental which came out in 1982 first lp and and, and that went really well it it, it fill, filled the market niche sold over 30,000 copies of it which is pretty good for a ukrainian record Then my second one in 85 my third in 86 fourth in 80, 80 88 then the first cd then another cd then another cd uh but all together about 40 different recordings a textbook for the Bandura on video, Uh, I did my PhD on the Bandura, and I did it in Kharkiv, on the Kharkiv Bandura, which is very interesting because, uh, you know, what's the point of doing a dissertation, uh, a doctorate dissertation, uh, in a country that doesn't understand what you're talking about and you can't find specialists. Who can.
0: Pan-Mishalo, um you, yeah. you've now lived in Canada for a very long period of time. Um, what observations yeah. do you have on the similarity and differences between the two Ukrainian diasporas on different ends of the planet? So you've got, you, can't, you were born well, in Australia, yeah, you now live in Canada.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I've toured a lot, right? I've been to Argentina, I've been to South America all throughout almost every community in the united states and canada western canada is different from eastern canada toronto is different from and and it's uh it's interesting the makeup You, you go to places like detroit for example and a lot of people in detroit are from eastern ukraine so they speak ukrainian differently and the church services are different there and their approaches to culture are different here in toronto you have more people from western ukraine a lot of people from Poland, for example. So the, the, there are differences with regards to the culture. um They, once again, they have this multiculturalism here, but it's it's somewhat different from what they have in in Australia. Uh, I found that the the community in Australia, in Sydney, where I grew up, was basically like an extended family. Everybody knew everybody else. Everybody was kum swat brat, etc., etc. If, they, if if they if you didn't go to them for birthday parties you knew him from dancing group Ukrainian school plus to right or church right so it's a very very small community maybe it's maybe too small right it, it, it could be um also so, so one of the differences is that here in Canada they actually pay for doing Ukrainian stuff. So if you do a concert, they pay you for the concert. If you teach bandura, they pay you for teaching bandura. If you're teaching Ukrainian, instead of being paid uh, three bucks an hour, you get paid thirty bucks an hour. Um, you get a teacher's wage for for teaching Ukrainian. Uh, mm. Ukrainian here. So so on the commercial uh, level, it's it's much more lucrative right, and the festivals and everything is done in a more commercial manner here. Whereas in Australia, uh, trying to get 40 cents for Dobrovigny Datsky can sometimes be difficult, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, everything is done in a more uh, Dobrovilni, Dobrovilni is not this and that. And, and, and as a result, it's, it's often difficult to get that particular level of professionalism in because of the fact that the money is not just not there. Uh, to do that, but on the other hand, the, the 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 community is much more closer, closer. Everybody knows each other. They know them from well. In 1954, he borrowed this or that, and that, and they'll bring it all up. <laughs> That's interesting. Thanks. On the other hand, here in Toronto, people tend to be uh, settled very closely to each other whereas in sydney in in, in recent times every dy kuji uh you know <laughs> uh, Penrith, uh now they're moving up to to newcastle because it's cheaper uh everybody is so scattered that it it, it takes forever to, to get together
0: thank you michelle for this wonderful interview with you it was great learning all this background information about you and hearing some more stories from you as well. So I really appreciate um, you coming on and spreading a story with us.
1: It's a it's a pleasure to yeah, be here. Yeah. because pleasure to be interested in in listening to me. You know, uh, there's a lot of lot of stuff that have happened over the many many years, and uh, it's unfortunate that it, it, now I'm now on that particular age where. I can now reminisce, but it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you very much for inviting me. I'll be very happy to be back again at any time.
0: In the news this week, Victoria Sparts, a Ukrainian-American politician and businesswoman from Chernyovska Oblast, has been elected as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from Indiana's 5th District. She ran as a Republican and won her race by a comfortable margin. November 9th was Ukrainian Writing and Language Day. The day was originally created to celebrate St Nastor the Chronicler, who wrote the primary chronicles which document the early history of Kievan Rus. On this day, a national dictation test is held via radio, which allows citizens to test their knowledge of Ukrainian. Poland has unveiled a new memorial commemorating Poland's defeat of the Red Army 100 years ago. In celebration of the alliance that helped make this victory possible, it features Polish interwar statesman Josef Pilsudski, Ukrainian leader Simon Petlura, future French President Charles de Gaulle, and then-Hungarian Prime Minister Paul Teleki. Whilst Poland managed to win its independence back then, Ukraine was divided among Poland and the USSR in the resulting Treaty of Riga. It wasn't until 1991 that Ukraine managed to reclaim its independence. Coronavirus strikes the heart of Ukrainian politics, with President Zelensky testing positive for COVID-19, as well as the Speaker of the Parliament, the head of the presidential administration, and other government officials. In response, the government has reintroduced some COVID-19 restrictions. Let us know which stories you would like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week for more UK Life Abroad content.